This is your preparation station, encouraging hosts and empowering topics to equip you along the journey. Preparedness grounded in truth. Now on with the show. The 21st Century Homekeeper is on the air. The 21st Century Homekeeper is about old-fashioned skills and old-fashioned living. Sit back, gather up the family, and listen in for useful tips and information on homesteading, homemaking, and all kinds of old-fashioned living skills. Welcome to the 21st Century Homekeeper, where we bring old-fashioned skills into the 21st century. I'm Sylvia Britton, your hostess, and I'm so glad that you've joined me. You can find me throughout the week at my blog, The Christian Homekeeper, at www.christianhomekeeper.org. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian Homekeeper. There's also a Christian Homekeeper discussion group for women, and it's facebook.com slash groups slash Christian Homekeeper. Well, I want to give many thanks to Donna Miller for having me on the Your Preparation Station Network. I'm so happy to be here and to be back on the radio with you. Today I'm going to be talking to you about storing winter vegetables. I'm going to give you some favorite links of mine. I'm going to give you some information from my Thanksgiving planner, which I am offering for free right now. And I'll give you some delicious recipes that maybe you can try out this Thanksgiving. It's autumn here in Middle Tennessee, and we have already put the garden to bed. We had um, all the regular things that we normally have, like tomatoes and green beans. We have lots of herbs. We had lots of peppers, okra, squash, winter squash, corn, pumpkins, uh, cucumbers. We had a few eggplants. We had beets. I think the only thing that we didn't grow this year that we normally try is carrots. And we just didn't we just didn't grow any this year. We just we don't really eat a lot of carrots, and so um, I always end up with a lot of jars of canned carrots left over or frozen carrots. So we didn't grow any this year, but we did grow a lot of hot peppers. I think they some of them reseeded themselves from last year, and so we had those as well as the um, ones that we planted. We had a habanero, chili, Tabasco, and then some other kind of long hot pepper. I don't even remember what it's called. And I've made fermented hot sauce with them, and I've dried the rest, and that hot sauce is so hot that I can't eat it. It is so hot, but I've got some family members and friends that love it, so I gave it all away. And then I may take some of the last of these habaneros and put them in the smoker. Now, when you smoke peppers, I learned this the hard way. When you're smoking any kind of a hot pepper, a fresh pepper, your temperature of your smoker has to be very, very, very low because peppers are very fleshy and they do have a lot of of moisture in them, but they will dry out in the blink of an eye. And then you'll have crispy peppers instead of leathery, dry peppers. 
So make sure your temperature is very low. It's, it should be so low that you could put your hand in the smoker and, it's, and it doesn't feel hot. It feels just barely warm. That's how warm you want it when you're smoking peppers. And then after you smoke them, and, uh, you can take them and string them up and then just hang them. They make really pretty decorations in your kitchen while you're using them. And I always string up a whole lot of just fresh red peppers, too, in the kitchen. And I, I don't usually use them all, but they do look really pretty and they smell good. Let's talk a little bit about storing winter vegetables. Some of the things that um, we grew this year that we store are butternut squash and other winter squash. There is a thing called a cushaw squash or a cushaw pumpkin, and we grow those. We really like those a lot. And then there's cabbage, turnips, um, apples, also sweet potatoes and white potatoes. Those are the things that I'm storing this year. Now there's a link online there's a site online, rather, that you can go to, and it's got a lot of really good information about storing winter vegetables. And I looked it up years ago whenever I was wanting to learn how to store things like um, cabbage because uh, years ago I had never stored cabbage. And so and I didn't really know what were the best um, conditions for it, but it's at Cornell University, and the link is www.gardening.cornell.edu, and once you get there, you can look for fact sheets, and so you're going to look for a fact sheet on vegetables and storage, and it's a, they're PDFs, and you can um, copy them, and you can even print them out. It's really good to go ahead and copy and print out information like that that you think you might need in the future and put them in a gardening notebook. And I'll talk more about gardening notebooks with you when it gets closer to springtime and gets closer to time to plan for next year's garden. But it's a really good thing to have um, uh, to help you to make the most out of your garden. So let's talk generalities first a little bit of basic information about how to store vegetables in the winter. I guess the main thing that you should remember about storing vegetables is that you want to store them, you want to be sure you store them dirty. You don't want to wash any of your vegetables because the process of washing your vegetables can cause tiny scratches and damage to the outside of the vegetable and that can shorten the life of the produce. So you don't you want to make sure that you pull up your vegetables right out of the garden, and you want to make sure that you um, leave the dirt on it. Now you can dust them off. You know you can rub them off with your hands gently and get chunks of dirt off of them. You don't have to leave big dirt balls on your vegetables, but you just don't want to wash them, and you don't want to scrub them definitely. Then the next thing you want to remember is you want to store vegetables, only store vegetables that are healthy. You don't want to store vegetables that have bruises or scratches or cuts. 
because those things are going to uh, eventually become rotten spots or disease is going to enter into that vegetable. So anything that you've got, any kind of vegetable that you've got that you you think you might want to store, check it out for damage. And if it's damaged, go ahead and set those aside and use them early or can them or freed them, uh, freeze them. That old saying that one bad apple can ruin the whole bunch is true. Um, because if you've got one in there and it's got a rotten spot, that rotten spot will also spread to the other vegetables. The other thing to remember about storing vegetables is that you should periodically go through your stored vegetables to check them. And when you're going to, you should use them. You shouldn't just store them and then forget about them. But store them with the intent of going down, going to your storage and pulling them out and using them. And when you go in to use them, to get some to use, be sure you check them and look for anything that's starting to decay. Uh, sometimes when we store our winter vegetables, they can um, freeze, you know, if we don't store them quite right. Uh, they can get some frozen spots on them and once they get a frozen spot it turns into a soft spot and then the soft spot turns into decay and then you've got that whole thing going on with all of your stored vegetables. The ideal conditions for each um, winter vegetable can be different. It varies from vegetable to vegetable. So let's talk about First of all, the true root vegetables. These are things like turnips, parsnips, beets, carrots, rutabagas, uh, celeriac, um, radishes that are meant for storage. Usually when you buy your seeds, it'll tell you if they, sto they will be stored. And all of these things uh, can be stored uh, in a refrigerator. Uh, now, you don't have to have a refrigerator, but they'll, they'll last for a long time in the refrigerator. These true root vegetables need a high humidity so that they'll stay crisp. So if you do want to store them in, in a refrigerator, put them in a plastic bag, put a few drops of water, and then poke holes with a fork or a knife in the bag, and don't don't seal up the top of the bag. Just sit the bag in the refrigerator and fold over the top. Just leave it open. And under those kinds of conditions, true root vegetables can last from harvest until May, uh, April, May of the next year. The ideal conditions for storing these true root vegetables, if you're not using a refrigerator, would be 32 to 40 degrees. And then you would need 90 to 95% humidity. Now, the way that you create humidity for these kinds of vegetables, if you're not using a refrigerator, but like a cellar or uh, under your house or a basement, you can create that humidity by packing the roots in damp sawdust. Now, I know some people use sand. My dad used to use sand to pack uh, things like carrots in, and it worked very, very well. But you have to, you have to keep, uh, keep these things moist. So you may have to add a little moisture throughout the months 
<coughs> pardon me, then you're going to dampen the sawdust. And you can use containers like Rubbermaid containers, uh, something like that. Um, I use the long, flat containers. You know, they're maybe eight inches deep. Some Sometimes you could use deep, really deeper ones. But you, you would add a layer of damp sawdust or shavings. Wood shavings is really good. And then a layer of vegetables, not touching each other. And then another layer of damp sawdust and then a layer of vegetables, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can put a layer of damp newspaper on the very top, on the last, on top of the last layer of damp wood shavings. And then you can put the lid of the container on it. And those kind of, of true root vegetables, those will keep very well like that, as long as you keep them from freezing. So we're talking 32 degrees or higher um, and very high humidity. Now there are some other vegetables that we store, like sweet potatoes. Well, sweet potatoes do really good at most room temperature, but um, our house is very cool in the winter. So... Um, if you keep your house very warm in the winter, then you might have some trouble storing things like sweet potatoes and onions and apples and turnips. Sweet potatoes um, need to have above 55 degrees, um, but you don't want to get you don't want to get too high. Um, I think it's probably optimal is about 55 degrees. And you want to keep sweet potatoes dry. And you want to keep them in paper bags. You want to keep them maybe in baskets. And you want to keep them out of direct sunlight. And they, they don't like high humidity. They don't do well in high humidity. Well, we're going to take a little break. And after our break, we'll be back, and I'll give you some more information about storing winter vegetables. Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and you're subscribed. Consider signing up for the premium membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine. Encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. Here's how you can save $10 on the mill of your choice. Go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store and use the promo code radio at checkout. That's R-A-D-I-O at checkout. Or you can call 828-536-4988 during weekday business hours and get the same savings by phone. Either way, your order is shipped to your door without shipping charges. Remember, you can go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store or call 828-536-4988 and use the promo code RADIO. This is your preparation station. Now on with the show. 
Welcome back to the 21st Century Homekeeper. I'm Sylvia Britton, and we're talking about storing winter vegetables. Now, let me tell you about butternut squash, pumpkins, Kushaw pumpkins, all kinds of winter squash. Winter squash need to be kept cool, but they also need to be kept dry. Um, a lot of times my mom used to keep um, squash underneath uh, beds. Uh, my my great aunt and uncle used to keep squash in these these shallow boxes underneath the beds upstairs. Um, it was always warm upstairs, but not super hot, right? So um, squash like 50 to 55 degrees, humidity maybe 50%, maybe as high as 70, but they don't like high humidity. And um, I know that our home gets a lot drier than that in the wintertime, but that's not a problem. I mean, your squash can dry, and maybe the, the outside might crack a little, but that's really not a problem as long as they're not too humid. Butternut will, squash will store probably the longest of any of the winter squash, but it will only keep to maybe late January, February at the most. So don't get too excited about winter squash and thinking that, oh, we're going to have these winter squash until May. You probably won't because they just won't last that long, even under optimal conditions. So maybe a better way to store some of your winter squash would be to dry them. You know, you would peel them and chunk them up into small pieces and dry them in a dehydrator or an oven. That would be a really good way. Or, of course, you could cut them up and can them. And I believe I have instructions for canning chunks of winter squash on the christianhomekeeper.org blog if you want to check that out. Onions and garlic. Onions and garlic like to be kept at room temperature. And um, onions and garlic don't really like to be humid. They like it dry. And they kind of like it, I said room temperature, but we're talking on the cooler side if you're going to keep them in your kitchen. Now, ideally, you'd be storing them somewhere like a cellar or a basement or a closet in your house that doesn't get opened constantly, a cool closet. And they really like it to be uh, no warmer than 50 degrees. So, you know, when I say room temperature, that's just the onions and the squash, I mean the onions and the garlic that you're going to use pretty quickly. <clears throat> Don't put onions and garlic in plastic bags because then they'll get hu humid uh, and then that will encourage sprouting. Now you can, you know, you can always do things with sprouted onions and garlic, but if you don't want them to sprout, don't put them in plastic bags. So, you know those mesh bags that citrus comes in sometimes? Save those um, because those are great for onions and garlic. They're really good. And, of course, I put uh, my onions that we grow, I, I put them in um, pantyhose. <laughs> and there is an article on the christianhomekeeper.org blog about uh, I think it's called My Onions Wear Pantyhose is the name of the article. But it tells you all about how to dry your onions out and how to store them in hose. Now, onions will eventually start to sprout no matter uh, you know how hard you, you work at preserving them. But, you know, you can, if they start to sprout, go ahead and put them in a window and let them grow and use those sprouts. I use them like... Um, 
green onions and scallions uh, in my cooking. They're really good. Just be sure that you're keeping your onions and your garlic um, very dry and pretty cool. Now potatoes, and this is the big thing because a lot of people grow potatoes and a lot of people just go to the farmer's market. Um, This time of year, potatoes are a really good bargain, and so they'll go and they'll buy 50 pounds of potatoes and then set them in their kitchen, and then the potatoes will start to rot. And so, you know, you've lost your money. You didn't really save any money if you're going to let them go bad. So here's, here's the way that I store potatoes. I learned this from my grandfather. First of all, you need to spread potatoes out into one layer. You need to look through it and pick out all the damaged potatoes. And you need to pick out the really small potatoes, um, tea tiny, you know, little knots. Pick all those out. Don't store those. Now, you, whatever you've picked out that's damaged or too small, those are the potatoes you can use right away. And you can can them. You can um, use them, just use them fresh, whatever. But that's what you're going to use right away. And then the rest of them, um, you can uh, store them until springtime. You want to keep potatoes in the 40 to 60 degree Fahrenheit range. And they'll they'll keep for weeks. You want to keep them dark and humid, but don't let them get wet. Uh, my grandfather stored his potatoes on burlap bags, laid them out flat on burlap bags. The reason for that is that burlap bags wick away moisture away from the potatoes and keeps them from uh, from getting mushy and rotten. Um, if you if insects are a concern, you can sprinkle some diatomaceous earth on the potatoes and around the potatoes, and that'll keep the insects off. So. Another way that you can keep potatoes is in opaque bags like brown paper bags. Um, But I like to keep them flat where they're not touching each other because in my experience, when they're touching each other, they're more likely to get bad spots on them. Now, if you're going to really keep potatoes for a long, long time, keep them as cool as possible, like refrigerator temperature. We're talking 36 to 40 degrees. If you can keep your potatoes at that temperature without freezing, you can keep potatoes for a long, long time. Now, here's the thing about keeping potatoes at that cold temperature. Once you get potatoes down to that temperature, the starches in the potato... um, change and they become sugary so what you want to do is whenever you're going to use potatoes out of your cold storage bring them out and let them let them warm up at room temperature for about a week so you would always go down to your storage and bring up you know a week's worth of potatoes and let them sit out but they need to sit out for about a week um, and while, while they're sitting out, the starches convert back to their normal status. Um, but when you, if you do eat them directly out of the cold storage, you'll notice that they, they do have um, a sweeter taste and they, they'll have a slightly different texture. But I just think that's the neatest thing. After you've kept them out of cold storage for about a week, the texture goes back to normal and they're not as sweet. All right, now cabbage. 
cabbages like low temperature, we're talking refrigerator temperatures, 32 to 40 degrees, and they like 80 to 90 percent humidity. So cabbages do well in a refrigerator that's humid. Um, but if you've got a cold um, closet or a cold cellar, you can store cabbage. And even if outside leaves get moldy, you can just peel them off and use uh, what's inside. Um, I like to pile up um, I like to make um, a pile of straw and dirt outside sometimes to store cabbages and turnips uh, in the garden. What you do is you dig a trench, you line it with straw, you put your um, cabbages and turnips in the straw, then you cover them up with straw, and then you cover that whole thing up with soil, with dirt. And then you cover that with plastic and then you weight it down on the edges with rocks or whatever you've got. But it, you, know, you hold it down. And your, your cabbage will last all, until spring, late spring even, stored like that in most places. Now, I'm in Middle Tennessee, and you can do that here. I have never lived up way up north for very long not long enough to store cabbage and so I don't know um, if it would work very well up there or not I, I just don't know alright let me tell you a few things about spaces to consider when you're trying to store winter vegetables now not everybody has a, an extra refrigerator out in, the, out in the garage or not everybody has um, room under their bed but Look for that drafty closet. You know, almost everyone has got a drafty closet that they don't open very often. Those closets can be converted into indoor cellar-type storage areas. Um, underneath it, the stairwell is a great place to create a, um, a storage place for winter vegetables. If you have an attached garage, that is a wonderful place to create a cellar. And also, some people have what's called a four-season porch or a Florida room. Those kinds of rooms can easily uh, be converted into uh, storage space for uh, your winter vegetables. All right, now let me give you um, a few of my favorite links. I'm going to try every week to bring you some of my favorite links. I only have two this week, um, but next week I'll bring you some more. The first one is www.makingthebestofbasics.com. Now that's a book. It's a book by a friend of mine, uh, James Stevens, and uh, you can buy the book or you can buy the uh, DVD, uh, CD and print it off the CD. That uh, site that I just gave you, makingthebestofbasics.com, it speaks for itself. Um, I've got a couple of copies of it. I like to give it as gifts. Everything you could ever want to know about preparedness, about gardening, about where to find the information you want is in that book. And then the other link is www.realfoodliving.com. That's my friend Vicki Lynn's site. Now, Vicki Lynn does product reviews. She has great recipes, whole foods. She also uh, is... Uh, 
a proponent of preparedness. And on her site, she gives you lots of wonderful ideas about using your dried um, and vacuum-packed foods. So go check out both of those. Now let me give you a, a couple of recipes. Now these are real easy recipes. They're, they're old, old recipes that I have had for years and years and years. But they're just they're very simple. This is called oatmeal fritters. Have you ever had leftover oatmeal and wondered what to do with it? Well, you can put it into bread dough and make oatmeal bread. You can put it into soup and it will just dissolve and give you the nutrition. But these are oatmeal fritters. To each cup of oatmeal, cooked oatmeal, you would add an egg, two tablespoons of flour, and two tablespoons of milk. And you mix it up, and it makes a real thick, heavy dough. So you take out a spoonful of it and fry it in um, some hot oil, whatever kind of oil you like. You know, kind of mash it down like a little cake, fry it on both sides, and then when it's done, you just put a little butter and a little honey on it, and you eat it. It's really good. Now, if you like the oatmeal uh, fritters, if you like it a little sweeter than what the honey would make it, you can add a little bit of sugar to each cup of oatmeal. Just add like a teaspoon or less of sugar, and then you've got a, a little sweet treat. And we love those. My children really used to like those when they were little. Okay, now the other recipe that I have is homemade graham crackers. One cup of lard, or you could use coconut oil. Four cups of graham flour. One cup of brown sugar. A teaspoon of soda. A cup of white sugar. Now, this has two cups of sugar in it, but remember, these are graham crackers. But now you can replace the sugar with any kind of sweetener that you prefer, like rapadura or sucanat would work really well in this. Two teaspoons of baking powder, uh, a half a teaspoon of salt, two cups of white flour, one cup of milk, and a teaspoon of vanilla, and a cup of honey. Now, I know you're going, oh, my goodness, that's three cups of sweetener. Well, this makes a huge batch. Um, you're talking about six cups of flour total. So if you would like to, you can half this recipe. But that's why there's so much sweetener in it. You're going to cream the lard and the sugars until it's all fluffy and add the vanilla. Sift the flour. Measure and add the salt, soda, baking powder to the flour. Sift it again. Add the dry sifted ingredients alternately with the milk to the cream shortening and sugar mixture. Mix it thoroughly, and then you're going to stir up the dough, pat it down, and chill it overnight. The next day, you're going to turn it out and then flour a cabinet, and you're going to roll it as thinly as possible. I like to cut it in small pieces and roll it out little tiny pieces at a time. Cut it in squares and put them an inch apart on greased cookie, uh, a greased cookie sheet. Bake it at 350 degrees until they're golden brown, about 10 or 15 minutes. This makes six dozen crackers. Now, one way that you can roll it out is 
take your cookie sheet and turn it upside down. Spread it with a, a dust it a little bit with flour or grease it. Roll out the little pieces of dough right on the back of the cookie sheet. Then cut them into your shapes and take away the excess dough and then just bake them right there on the back of the cookie sheet. It's a whole lot easier than trying to cut out crackers and scoop up each one and put it on a cookie sheet. <laughs> well, I appreciate you joining me today. That's all I've got for you today. Um, I will look forward to seeing you again on the 21st Century Homekeeper, and I'll try to have some more good information about old-fashioned skills. Thanks and bye. You've been listening to the 21st Century Homekeeper. Tune in again next week for more old-fashioned living information. And be sure to visit me on the Christian Homekeeper blog at www.christianhomekeeper.org. Tune in again soon. This is your preparation station. Speaking hope, not hype, and facts, not fear. Preparedness grounded in truth.